Today we're going to be wrapping up the series that we've been on over the last several weeks entitled Stand Firm in the Faith. Stand Firm in the Faith. And I've said this several times over the last uh, couple of weeks, and I'm going to say it again, because if Paul saw it fit and necessary to say this to a strong body of believers, then it's good enough for us. How many of you know that the truth of God's word is good enough for us? It's worth repeating. And one thing that Paul says to the Thessalonians and to us is this. Stand firm in the faith. Whether you know it or not, you can stand firm because of the faith that you have in Christ. And so today we're going to be ending by looking at some of the closing words of Paul in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. And we're also going to be going back to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 because 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 is really a, a recap of 1 Thessalonians 1. So let's look at 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 13 through 17. And it simply says this, it says, But we ought always to thank God for you, brothers and sisters loved by the Lord, because God chose you as first fruits. Jesus put it this way, he says, You didn't choose me, I chose you. And I chose you to bear much fruit. And the mark of God in your life is one where fruitfulness is possible. Why? Because he chose you to bear the very thing that reveals his first fruits, his very best. You are God's very best. Go ahead and tap somebody on the shoulder and let them know. You are God's very best. You are God's very best. Listen, you are God's best in Christ. You absolutely are. And so he says, God chose you as first fruits to be saved through the sanctifying work of the Spirit and through belief in the truth. He called you to this through our gospel. And so what reveals that to us and what assures us of that calling in our lives is the very word that we've received of Christ. It's the gospel of Jesus. And so he says he called you to this through our gospel that you might share in the glory, that you might share in the excellence and the magnificence in God's high opinion, in God's word, in his promises. That's what that word glory there is referring to. That you might share in the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. So then, brothers and sisters, in other words, because you've received this, because this is who you are, because this is yours, Paul says this to the Thessalonians, and the Holy Spirit says this to us. Stand firm and hold fast. Stand firm and hold fast to the teachings we've passed on to you, whether by word of mouth or by letter. I think that's something that each and every one of us should remind ourselves of daily. Stand firm. Hold fast. Because the one that we believe in and trust in is faithful. We can trust in him. And so we're to stand firm and hold fast. But then in verses 16 and 17, Paul goes on to pray for them. And he says, May our Lord Jesus Christ himself And God our Father, who loved us and by His grace gave us eternal encouragement and good hope. In other words, because of this grace that we've received, we have reason to always partake of encouragement and good hope. But then He says this to them and to us He says, Encourage your hearts and strengthen you in every good deed and word. Now, the book of Thessalonians is an extension of 1 Thessalonians in that the Lord reiterates to us many things that Paul wrote to the Thessalonians in the first uh, book. In his first letter, it's a reminder 
in this second letter, it's a reminder and an encouragement, a reinforcement of a couple of things. Paul again speaks in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, I'm sorry, in 2 Thessalonians of the coming, the second coming of Christ. He speaks of our hope and the assurity that we have of a resurrection of the saints where those that have passed before us who were in the faith will rise first and then we will follow. And according to Paul's words and the revelation of the Holy Spirit, we will meet Christ in the heavenlies and we will take on a new heavenly body. So the scriptures in 2 Thessalonians, it's a reiteration of these points. It also speaks of orderliness amongst us and a call to pray. And so I share all that with you because we're not going to dig into 2 Thessalonians to that great extent because Paul's already covered a lot of this in 1 Thessalonians. But in verses 16 and 17 of 2 Thessalonians 13, uh, 13 through 17, if we could put up 16 and 17, please, what we see is that Paul is praying for them. And he's praying according to what they've received, what we've received, which is the grace of God, which is an encouragement to us, and it gives us hope. But then he says this to them in verse 17. He says that that he would encourage your hearts and strengthen you in every good deed and word. And so here's what Paul's saying. Here's what this prayer is revealing. That the interest that God has for us, yes, is according to our faith. But it also relates to every good deed. Every part of our life. It's not just the spiritual life. It's also our natural life. How many of you know that your life, the life you're living right now matters according to faith? How many of you know that it matters to someone else in the faith? Let me show you that from scripture. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 verses 3 and 4, Paul is praying in light of all this growth amongst the Thessalonians. And he says this, We ought always to thank God for you, brothers and sisters, and rightly so, because your faith is growing more and more. And the love all of you have for one another is increasing. Remember a couple of weeks back when we looked at First Thessalonians, I believe it was uh, chapter 3, where Paul says, I'm praying, I'm urging you that you would do this more and more. And we learned that faith abounds. Well, what we see here is that Paul is now commending them. And he's saying, man, I've heard of what God has done in your life. And I praise God because your faith is growing more and more. And the love that all of you have for one another is increasing. And so there's an evidence, there's a fruit there. And so in verse 4, Paul says, Therefore, among God's churches, we boast about your perseverance and faith in all the persecutions and trials you are enduring. So what we see here is why Paul had good reason to say at the very beginning of 1 Thessalonians 1, where he said, my labor was not without fruit amongst you. It wasn't in vain. So something came out of it. But what we see here in verse 3 is that it wasn't just their faith that was continually growing more and more. It was also how they lived and loved each other. Last week, we uh, was kind of like one of those out-of-the-box weeks in service, and it completely deviated from my notes, and it was okay because it was necessary, it was appropriate. How many of you were blessed that we're here last week? It was a powerful time for first service and second service. Um, And one of the points that I made uh, last week that's important is that our faith doesn't just unite us to Christ, it unites us to each other. 
unites us to each other. And there's power in the unity amongst us. Well, this week we're going to build upon that and we're going to look at uh, some things. But I want to start off by making this point to you that our lives are an evidence of what we believe. Now, that's not our main point, but let me just put it this way. Our lives reflect what we believe. You say you have faith, your life should reflect that. And when I say should, I'm not talking about you working yourself into a point where you're trying to reveal it. No, faith is evident in our lives. It works, right? The Bible says that this is the faith, that this is the means by which we overcome our faith. And so our faith is powerful. And so in verse 4, in the case of the Thessalonians, what we see is that as a result of their faith, it impacted their lives to the extent that they were able to persevere and stand in the midst of persecutions and trials. But there's a key here. It wasn't just standing in their faith. It was how they related in their daily going-ons with one another. That's important, ladies and gentlemen. See, the reason why they were able to do so, why they were able to persevere and endure in the midst of persecutions and trials is because they were at a point of optimal health. Everything was clicking. Everything was working. Everything was moving. That doesn't mean that they didn't have challenges. The scriptures revealed to us they had persecutions. They had trials, but they were strong in their faith and they stood. And so everything was clicking. They excelled in faith in Christ, and as a result, they excelled in the expression of their faith by love towards one another and others. And so, in a day, in in addition to functioning in my capacity as your pastor and just pointing you to the truth of the word, I'm also going to assume another role and I'm going to put on my physician coat. And what we're going to do is we're going to look to the word. And look to the evidence that the word points to a mature body of believers. So in essence, what we're going to do is this. We're going to kind of, I don't know if I should stick these in my ears, but I'll put them there for the sake of example. You know what I'm talking about. And what we're going to do is we're going to take the word of God and we're going to allow it to do what it says. Hebrews 4.12 puts it this way, that his word is alive and active and powerful, that it's a double-edged sword and that it pierces. It goes so deep that it divides our soul, our mind, and, and our spirit. It reveals what we are in Christ. And it also divides between joint and marrow. What does that mean? It touches your body. It touches every part of you and I as a creation of Christ. Amen. And so this word applies to every area of our lives. And today what we're going to see is some practical things from the word about uh, that, that help us to kind of take a pulse, so to speak. And so today's big idea is this, that how we live among one another in the body of Christ matters to our life of faith. I'm going to show you that from scripture. You, you ever get around People that are believers. By the way, there's no judgment here in what I'm saying. You ever get around people that are believers but don't believe much? You ever been around somebody who, 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 man, I believe in Jesus and praise God, you believe in Jesus. But everything outside of I believe in Jesus is not believing in Jesus. There's, there's no... Uh, assurance in the promises. There's no hope for the future. They don't see according to the word. And so everything is just kind of stuck in a muck. If you're around that long enough, how many of you know that that has an impact? It has an impact. There's a reason why the Bible tells us that bad company corrupts good character. 
right? And so we got to be careful about that. And so today we're going to let the word of God explore in our lives, our understanding as to why what happens physically in our lives amongst us as believers affects our life of faith. Amen. Let's go to first Corinthians chapter 12, uh, verses 12 through 26. First Corinthians chapter 12, verses 12 through 26. And as we get started here, before we start this examination, I'd like us to consider how the body works. And when I say the body, that includes all of us. All right. So as we're hearing this, I want you to see yourself in the word. We've gone over this before, but I want to reiterate it again. First Corinthians chapter 12, starting at verses 12 through 26, starts off by saying that just as a body, though one has many parts, but all its many parts form one body. So it is with Christ. For we are all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free. And we are all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but but of many. Now, if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body. It would not for that reason stop being a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts uh, in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I do not need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty. While our presentable parts need no special treatment, but God has put the body together, giving great honor to the parts that lacked it. I want to read that again. God has put the body together, giving great honor to the parts that lacked it so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. I want you to see the synergy that is supposed to exist amongst the body of Christ. So much so, we're, we're supposed to be so interconnected that every part affects the other. If one is weaker, the, the others are affected. Now, I know some of us might go, Dun, dun, da, da, da. I've arrived. I got it together. I'm loved by God. Well, good for you. But here's what scripture says. Here's what scripture says. That if one is weak, while you might be strong in your faith, you're lacking something. Because if one is weak, the whole body's weak. I didn't say that, by the way. The Bible says that. God's inerrant, truthful. Holy, complete word says that. And so what we see here is that every one of us matters to the whole body. 
every one of us matters to the whole body. And the whole body equally matters to every one. Last week, as I said, it was a completely out of the box, uh, both services actually. Um, and what we saw in between services is that a bunch of stuff just kind of happened all at once. Um, one of our brothers comes in and, and he, he just had a heart attack, literally two days before. And he's sweating profusely and, 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 and he says, I just didn't want to be at home alone. I wanted to be here. And so what did the body do? The body immediately responded. We had a, a, a young woman who just lost her 11-year-old son, um, passed away suddenly, uh, and, and she was hurting, called. She just decided, you know what, I need to call my church. She calls in. We get the call. Uh, one of our security guards who never picks up the phone when it rings. That day it's ringing, and here's what Fred said. I just had to pick up the phone. He picks up the phone. And he's not completely understanding in the midst of all the tears and all the sobbing and all the, the worry and the anxiety and the hurt. And so he calls somebody. Uh, one of, one of, our, one of our, our volunteers picks up the phone, gets the message. Pastor Ned gets on the phone. We decide somebody go get her. Pastor's like, I'm, I'm saying, okay, I got to do this. And I said, no, wait, I have deacons here. Deacon Jim, I need you to go with Miss Doris and go over there and pick her up, bring her over here, let's assess the situation, get her daughter, get them whatever they need, and let's do what we got to do. Another person who's here amongst the body, um, she, she says, my daughter has been diagnosed. This is the diagnosis, Pastor. She says it all amongst us. She says, my daughter has been given days to live. She says, I know what the word says. I believe what the word says. And I believe in the power of the body is one. Can we pray together? And so a couple of things happen here. All these things start kind of popping up, right? And here we are in service. And I brought up a point last week while we were about to pray. I said, isn't it interesting that all these things are going on amongst the body, but had we not been together and we expressed it to one another, we as a body would have kept walking as if nothing was going on. Listen, when we think about relationships amongst each other in general, here's what we think about. Give and take. You like this and I like this. And so, you know, we like the same thing. We have these same things in common. And so you're my buddy, right? We believe in Jesus. Fine. We're friends. We, 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 we're of the same uh, era. We grew up in the same era. We have the same interest. We're alike in these ways. We appreciate each other's company. And all, and all those things are good and valuable. They're important. But I want you to see that as the body of Christ, we are supposed to go beyond that. This eye is way far from this toe. But I'll tell you this, something happens to this toe some way, this eye is going to react. Why? Because it's one body. And as the body of Christ, every one of us matters to the body, to each other. And the whole body equally matters to every one of us. We're supposed to connect because in our connection and our thriving relationships with each other, what we do is we encourage something called faith. You know, I'm sure some of you have heard this scripture where it talks about how iron sharpens iron. And I want you to consider what the scripture is saying. It's that it's, it takes iron to sharpen iron. How is it that we somehow miss or we set aside the idea that it takes believers to sharpen believers? It takes people of faith to sharpen faith. 
Yes, it takes the word. Yes, it takes a confidence in God. Yes, it takes understanding the gospel. But if all I have is all that for myself, when was the last time you saw a knife sharpen itself by itself? It doesn't work. Now, I know that this day and age, we, we exist in a place where we've got all these cool tools that we go to Bed Bath & Beyond, and we have knife sharpeners now. We have machines. But I want to I show you something. Back in my grandmother's day, right, eh, 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 Dorotea eh, Garcia, right, back in her days, here's how they sharpened knives. They didn't go look for a rock or anything. They took one knife, and they took another knife, and they sharpened sharpen and here's the thing while they're trying to sharpen this one here's what's happening as this iron is sharpening against the other the other one while it's sharpening this one it itself is becoming sharpened at the same time are you starting to get an idea of how this is supposed to work amongst the body and the scriptures say this we are the body of christ well moving right along And so because 2 Thessalonians is an extension of 1 Thessalonians, we're going to be looking back to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, because it literally ties in and gives us an indication of the body of Christ and our lives individually at optimal health because of faith and because what we're standing upon, because of what we believe in Jesus And so in verse 11 of 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, the Holy Spirit says this through Paul. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up, just as in fact you are doing. I want you to see two things here. Number one, notice that Paul says, just as in fact you are doing. He's talking to a healthy, strong, firm body of believers. And so what we see here is that a healthy, strong, firm uh, body of believers, people that are standing firm in their faith. The evidence is this, that this is what they're doing. They're encouraging one another and they're building each other up. Have you ever thought about how powerful encouragement and building someone else up is? Have you thought about that? Notice the terms that Paul uses. He uses encourage one another. And he uses the term, build each other up. You know what those words tell us? What they tell us is that the power of investing encouragement in the life of another amongst the body of Christ doesn't just benefit that person. It benefits all of us. As you encourage another, here's what happens. That person is built up as well. And they can encourage you. And thus, iron is sharpening iron. Believers are sharpening believers as it pertains to faith. I don't know about you, but I've had those moments where, man, I've lacked a little bit. I've been discouraged. I remember when we first started this ministry, there were days when I was just like, Lord, I don't even know what I'm doing. And I would talk with people that I knew, and and they wouldn't even know they they were encouraging me. I would have friends that would call me just as a timely moment and we would just begin to talk and they would begin to talk to me concerning what the word declares. And my faith would be built up. I would be built up from the inside. I, I would be reminded of those very things that God had, has already declared. And it would encourage me, which would then give me the ability to encourage others and would give them the ability to encourage me, encourage each other. 
And so here's a health check to consider. Here's a question to consider. How are you encouraging someone else in the body? Listen, I know we've got our family members. I know we've got our group of friends. But just like last week, man, we had people that came in here and nobody would have known any different. And the truth is this, believers, and as I'm speaking to you, I'm also speaking to me, that yes, we are firm in our faith. Yes, we look to Jesus. Yes, we have the victory in Christ. Yes, we are blessed. Yes, we are healed. Yes, we are prosperous. Yes, we are strong. But that doesn't mean that life doesn't happen. And that doesn't mean that we don't need somebody sometime to come and just give us a pick-me-up. If that wasn't the case, then guess what? The word of God wouldn't reveal to us a body that works with one another. We need each other. I need you. You need me. You need her. You need him. We need each other. We need each other. You can't walk this faith alone. This life of faith is not meant to be walked alone. Even John, when he was on the island of Patmos, wrote to people in different areas and they wrote back to him. Why? Because we're not meant to walk this life of faith alone. Alone. It's not supposed to be the case. And so here's something for you to consider. When was the last time you were encouraged by someone? When was the last time you encouraged someone? If it's been a while... Take a pulse and realize, hey, this is what faith calls for. This is what standing firm in the faith takes. Amen? Amen. And so in 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 8 through 10, what we see is the greatest display of encouragement as described in love. And verse 8 says, And above all things have fervent love, a strong, a powerful, a desirous love for one another. For love will cover a multitude of sins. Let me just pause right there for a moment in relation to love as encouragement. Let me show you what the scripture is actually talking about here. That word um, covers, it refers to hindering the knowledge of something. So in other words, it's like you going, there's no wall there. I can go through that because there's no wall there. I'm not going to get hurt if I run through that. And a believer comes and says, you know, actually, this, this wall is kind of solid here. I don't know that you want to try that. And so watch what, what the scripture is saying. It's, it's saying that it hinders the knowledge of something. And when it talks about hindering the knowledge, it's talking about a multitude or the company of Something which is referred to as sin. Let me tell you what that means for us as believers today in the body. In the body, as an example, as it relates to this particular scripture, there is a propensity amongst many groups of believers to say sin, 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 sin is our problem. Sin, sin, sin. You have fallen short from the glory of God. You're no good. You're a sinner saved by grace. And what scripture reveals is different. That we are saints. That we are holy. That we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Because he became accursed for us. So there's been an exchange. So in God's eyes, God doesn't see your past. God doesn't see your doings. Scripture says this, that the flesh profits nothing. It is the spirit that gives life. And so 
listen, the way God relates to us is spirit to spirit. Who you are is a new creation and who he is. That makes sense? And so here's what a body that encourages each other does. Here's someone saying, man, I'm no good in God's sight, man. I've just dropped the ball. I, you know, I feel like a hypocrite, you know. And, and here's what the body does. Hey, that's not what scripture says about you. Scripture reveals something different about you. So it deters the knowledge of something that is inerrant about you and I. And in deterring that, in redirecting that, what happens is that the body now comes and helps you disassociate from a company of misunderstanding. And now your mind is being renewed. And what begins to happen is this, that you begin to walk the way you should. That makes sense? I hope I didn't complicate that because I'm trying to just keep that very simple. And so watch this. In verse 9, uh, the Holy Spirit says through Peter, be hospitable to one another without grumbling. Man, there's a good idea for the body. When it comes to helping each other, don't complain about it. Don't grumble about it. You know what I'm talking about. Right? Like, we're supposed to be there for each other. And so he says, be hospitable to one another without grumbling. As each one has received a gift, minister to it, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. So let me just point something out to you here. We are all benefactors of the grace of God. The same grace that Jesus walked in is the same grace that is now extended to you and I. The favor of God, the goodness of God, the blessing of God, the truth of God's word, his promise, all these things, that's all ours according to his grace. It's all true. But I want you to see something about that grace in verse 10. He says, as each one of you has received a gift, minister it to one another. Watch this. As good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Watch this. So here I am. I am blessed by the grace of God. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Awesome. But according to scripture, you're supposed to steward that. And not just steward it in your life. In context here, it's amongst each other. Amen. Grace without an outlet is useless. It belongs in operation amongst the body of Christ. And according to scripture, some of us might go, well, You know, there's not much that I can do. According to scripture, it says that each one of us has received the gift. And as a result, we're to minister it. We're supposed to love one another. We're supposed to be there for each other. And so moving right along to verses 12 and 13, the Holy Spirit says through Paul, Now we ask you, brothers and sisters, to acknowledge those who work hard among you. That word acknowledge there simply means pay attention. It means to perceive. It also means to cherish. It means to regard. It means to care for. And so he says, now we ask you, brothers and sisters, to acknowledge those who work hard among you, who care for you in the Lord and who admonish you. In other words, who teach you, who point you to truth, who who labor amongst you in matters of faith and instruction. And so in verse 13, he says, hold them in the highest regard and love because of their work. Live in peace with each other. The relationship between those that God has appointed over us in the body and us is important according to scripture. Listen, this all pertains to standing firm in faith. This is practical 
Christian one-on-one basics. This is what happens as a result of faith and operation in our lives. And so God tells us that we are to acknowledge, to pay attention, to perceive, to cherish, to have regard, to esteem, to serve, to help them that labor in matters of instruction and faith. And we're to hold them in high regard. But why? And the key is in verse 13, if we could put that back up. Notice that it says that it creates peace amongst each other. There's peace amongst each other. It creates harmony within the body. One of the most destructive things amongst the body of Christ is dissension with those over us. It creates discord and it leads to division in the body. The scriptures talk about uh, King David and he had a son named Absalom. And Absalom wanted his father's throne. And so you know what Absalom did? Absalom would go every day to the, to the, to the city of David and he would be at the gate where David's palace was. And he would stand at the gate and here's what he would do. He would mutter amongst the people. And the Bible says, according to, to, to that he stole their heart. And so here's what happens. All of a sudden, Absalom says, charge, we're taking over the kingdom. And all these people that were appointed and loyal to the anointed man of God, the king, revolted against him. David takes off. And here's the thing about it, that when dissension, when there's discord that way with those that are over us, here's what happens. It never ends up good. It never ends up good. Absalom lost his life. One of David's most trusted men completely went against David's instruction and killed his son even though he was told not. It was just a hot mess. Hebrews 13 verse 17 says this, Obey those who rule over you. And be submissive, for they watch out for your souls, as those who must give account. Let them do so with joy and not with grief. For that, listen closely, would be unprofitable for you. Get this. When there's backbiting and no honor unto those that are over us, we're the only ones that stand to lose, according to Scripture. Can I give you a piece of advice just for life? But even amongst the body, if there's ever, 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 whether it's here or wherever you go, if there's ever anything that you disagree with, if there's ever anything that you have an issue with, can I encourage you to not go amongst the body? Bring it straight to the leadership. Listen, I am, I I got enough thick skin. I'm a big boy. You're not going to hurt my feelings. If there is something that troubles you, please come and talk to me. Please come and talk to me. Please come and talk to me. And we can go back to the word and we can discuss it. And hey, I'm not too big to say, hey, I, you know what? You're right. I am in error. If I'm in error, I'm in error. And I'll be the first one to say it from the pulpit. Been there, done that. No, no shame in that. Because we operate according to truth and love. But I want to encourage you that if there's ever an issue, go directly to the source. And even, even if it's not leadership, can I encourage you amongst the body? If somebody comes to you and says, you know this person over here, they're going through this, this, and that, man. You know. Can I encourage you to do something? There's a powerful word that we've given, been given in our vocabulary. No. That's right. No, let, let, let's not have that conversation. Let me encourage you according to the word in the book of Corinthians where it says, go back to that brother and make it right. Go. Go square away what you need to square away. Go address it that way. Because if not, what we do is we're not operating in faith and we're certainly not appreciating each other as a body. And what we're doing is dividing a body when we're called to be one. Yes, amen. 
one. That makes sense? And so in verses 14 and 15, the Holy Spirit says through Paul, and we urge you, brothers and sisters, warn those who are idle. I want you to notice the things that should be happening amongst the body. He says, warn those who are idle and disruptive. Uh, that word idle and disruptive, when he talks about being idle and disruptive, it's just talking about someone who's veered off the path. And so if someone's uh, in, in error somehow, if they're, if they're, if they're kind of leaning in a direction or, they, or they're, uh, um, they are living outside of the ranks of the body, then here's what we as the body are supposed to do. It says, warn them. And when it talks about warning them, it's simply talking about uh, redirecting them back to truth. It's talking about exhortation. It's talking about telling them what the word says. And so it says that we are to warn those who are idle and disruptive. It says we're to encourage the disheartened, help the weak, be patient with everyone. Make sure that, the, that nobody pays back wrong for wrong. But always strive to do what is good, watch this, for each other and for everyone else. A body of, believer that sta- a body of believers that stands firm in the faith helps and holds each other accountable. I remember a time, um, I am by no means a bowler, but I am competitive. I, I, I just, I love competition, right? You could race me to the door and I'm going to sweat bullets doing it, right? It's just, I just like good competition, right? But anyway, I remember uh, many years ago, uh, my wife and I went out with a bunch of friends of ours, uh, and we went out bowling, right? And uh, I'm, I, like I said, I'm not a bowler, but it, this was like a night where the anointing was flowing. I hit two strikes in a row, and I had the opportunity to get a third one, which is a turkey. And I, w- I just wanted it to come up on the screen like I saw it come up for somebody else. And so me and this guy are going toe-to-toe, right, with teams, He's up and I'm up. So he goes and he gets a strike. And I'm like, by God, I'm going to get this strike. I'm praying. I'm sweating and all this other stuff. And so we're there. And I'm so excited and so desiring to get this third strike so I can get the turkey. And everybody go, hey, that I went to throw the ball so hard that I hit the wax. And when I hit the wax, I went flying up. Now, me thinking I was being smart, I should have just went with it and just fell backwards. What I did was I threw my weight forwards. And so when I landed, I landed on my ankle, on my right ankle. My ankle twists this way, but my knee went that way. And all my weight went down on my body, on my knee. And so it turns out I ended up tearing a few uh, ligaments, uh, nothing major, just some, some minor partial tears. But my knee, according to what the doctor said, um, my kneecap, popped out and then popped in and they could tell by the position of it. And so I share all that with you because when that happened, every part of my body engaged. My eyes bulged. This mouth of mine, you think I'm loud now? Listen, the whole bowling alley stopped. People like froze in mid. Right? It was just because it was like a screech, man. It was painful. These hands went to my knee, right? I'm screaming out for my wife. I'm calling for Jesus. I'm doing all this. I was hurting. What's my point with that? Listen, these verses tell us that we together are to do the same for one another. We are to draw our attention 
all towards one another. And how do we do that? We encourage one another. We exhort one another. When we're weak, we care for one another. When, when, we're, when we're struggling in certain things, we, we, we're there for each other. We encourage the disheartened. We're patient with everyone. That's one that I'll be honest with you, I'm still working on. And, and I'm, and I'm going to tell on me. I'm going to tell on me. Because many times what we do as ministers is this. Well, you know, the Word says this. And according to the Word, this is what you're supposed to believe. And so just do that. And literally, what I find myself doing sometimes, if I'm not careful, is this. What I'm just doing is giving you the Word so I don't have to engage anymore. Just This is what you're supposed to do. And according to Scripture, that's not what we're supposed to do. We're to be patient with one another. The Bible says that love is long-suffering. Just think about your life as I think about mine. What would, where would we be if after all our hang-ups and all our mistakes and all the times that we dropped the ball, if God went, I already did it for you and I already told you and what are you doing? I'm done with you. Where would we be? We'd be in a mess. No. But what we have is the example that God, who is faithful, it says that he's patient. Not desiring that anyone perish, but that all come to repentance. And so the example that we're seeing here amongst us as the body, health check here, so to speak, is that we should be uniting and ministering to each other's needs, whatever that may be. You know, buying somebody lunch who ain't got no money, that's ministering to the body. Do you know just giving somebody a call and just saying, hey, how you doing? And not simply, how you doing? I'm fine. Oh, good. I'm good too. No, like really, how are you doing? That's, that's a mark of health. That's a mark of maturity amongst the body. A healthy body cares for the entire body. And here's what, here's what I'm not saying. A healthy body depends upon the pastor to care for the entire body. Oh, I care. But my job is to give you the gospel, to teach you the word, so that you grow to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Jesus Christ. And here's what that looks like. You do the work of the ministry unto the body and unto others. And so in verse 16, Paul says, rejoice always. Rejoice always. A great indicator of faith at work in our lives is our joy meter. I want you to think about your joy meter, right? Some of you, when you think about your joy meter, here's what you're thinking about. You're thinking about how chipper you feel today, right? You're thinking about, you know, putting your smile on, right? Being happy-go-lucky, right? You're thinking about that. But joy is not measured by our outward appearance. It's not measured by our emotions. It's not measured by a smile. It's measured by how faith operates in everyday life. Let me show you that from James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. He says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. You know, it's interesting, is that word joy there literally means celebrate. It depicts a party. And so James says, my, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. That's why. Knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. 
but let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. I want you to see the connection between joy and faith at work. And so Paul says to a mature body of believers, he says to them, hey, I know you're strong in faith, but I also am aware of the various trials that you're facing. It reveals it in First and Second Thessalonians that these were people that endured great persecution from within their ranks of their countrymen. And yet, Paul says, rejoice sometimes. He says, rejoice always. Why? Because as long as you have opportunity to exercise faith in Christ, to trust and stand firm, guess what you have? You have every reason to rejoice. To rejoice. It might look bad, but my God is able. I know what the doctor says, but all things are possible with my God, and by his stripes I am healed. I'm having a tough time on the job with this supervisor. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Lord, I thank you because you're doing a work in me and you work all things out for my good, Lord. Father, I trust you. I'm a rejoice. Joy is a byproduct of faith at work. And so in verses 17 and 18, the Holy Spirit says to us through this letter that Paul wrote, pray continually giving thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. How many of you would agree that prayer is powerful in the life of a believer? It's a powerful tool. Listen, uh, it's so powerful that in Ephesians 6, and we're not going to go there, uh, it equates it amongst the armor that we have as believers. It says that we're to pray continually. I think of prayer as a lance, right? The word is our sword. And as we pray, what we do is we launch what the word declares and it hits its mark. So prayer is a powerful tool. It's a powerful tool on our tool belt. And it's the means by which we petition God, but it's also the means by which we we release his word. But prayer that is effective has a distinguishing characteristic. It's thankful. It's thankful. Let me ask you something. When you say thank you, why do you say thank you? Because you appreciate it, right? You appreciate some. So if somebody opens the door for you when you're walking into the mall, you say thank you, right? Somebody says, man, you know, you're doing a great job, man. I just want you to know that I really appreciate you. You say thank you, right? Somebody says, you know what? I just want to bless you. I just, I just want to just... I want to buy you lunch. I want to, I want to buy you a, a, a suit. I want to, you know, just give you a little something that, you know, I just felt upon my heart. You say, thank you, right? And so I want you to consider this, that when we say thank you, it's in response to something we've received. And so the scriptures declare this, that we're to, prote- we're to pray continually, giving thanks in all circumstances. Why should we be giving thanks in all circumstances? Because God has already done his part. 
He's already provided. He is faithful. If his word says it, it will come to pass. His word is truth. And so when we pray, while we bring our petitions before the Lord, here's the mindset that we are supposed to come with when we are standing firm in faith. Lord, I already know that your word says what you promised to be true. And so, Lord, while I petition you for this, Lord, I thank you that it's already done. Everybody say, thank you. Not me. Say, thank you, Lord. Thank you. Listen, we should always see. So it's not talking about just the words. Thank you. It's talking about the attitude of the heart as we pray. Father, thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for everything you've done. Thank you that it's complete. Thank you, Lord. I don't see it, but Lord, I thank you because your word says that I am complete in Christ. I'm whole. I'm perfected in the saints. Is what your word says. Lord, thank you. Verse 19. Paul says this. Do not quench the spirit. A healthy life of faith is one that does not reject its source of power and life. Listen. If there's one thing that's true that we should know to be true is this, that the Holy Spirit is far greater, far stronger, and far wiser than us. And yet, what we know about the Holy Spirit is this, that he is a gentleman. He does not force himself upon us. He leads us according to peace. He reveals to us truth. He shows us things to come. He's a comforter. He's a teacher. He is love incarnate in you and I. He's the one that quickens our mortal bodies. He's the one that empowers us. And yet Paul says, don't quench the spirit. In other words, don't put that out of your life. We need the Holy Spirit in our life. And we have him in Christ. But he operates as we yield to the truth that he speaks. And to that which, is he, that which he is revealing to us that is yet to come. That's the beauty about a relationship with God. That he's all ever faithful. Always. And yet, he's not going, come on, hurry up already. Get it together. No, instead, what's he doing? Pointing us to truth. This is the truth about you. This is the truth about your life. This is the truth about your place in the body. This is, this is the truth about... He's not pointing out faults. He's pointing out truth. Truth. Your faults are associated with a nature that is no longer yours. And so he points us back to the truth. To righteousness. And so a healthy life of faith is one that does not reject God's word. But instead it tests it. Let's look at verses 20 and 22. He says, do not treat prophecies with contempt. But test them all. Hold on to what is good. Reject every kind of evil. I want you to see that these people that stood firm in the faith. Paul is reminding them. Whatever you received from the word, whatever word of God that you receive, whatever prophecy, whatever revelation of God you receive, he says, test it with the word. 
This is why I always say, please don't go by what I'm telling you. Go back to the word. And there may be times where you're reading the Bible and you might say, wow, okay, I get that. Can I encourage you with something? That whenever you see something that you think you're seeing in the word, instead of going to pastor or going to someone else and saying, hey, pastor, what does this mean? And pastor, now that's good. That's appropriate. That, there's nothing wrong in that. But test the word against the word. Because the word is truth. And the word of God will always confirm itself. Always. Always. It'll always confirm itself. And then lastly, as we're closing here, verses 23 and 24, it says, May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you. May he set you apart through and through. I want you to consider that, through and through. I'm going to tell you why. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. That word blameless there simply means to trip up. And he says, the one who calls you is faithful and he will do it. Now, while there's a, a lot of truth in these, in these verses here, these verses are usually alluded to, uh, to reveal that we are three-part being. That we have a spirit as a new creation. We have a soul, which is our mind. And we have a body. And that's true. But I want you to see something here. Listen to what the Holy Spirit says through Paul. He says, may God himself, the God of peace, set you apart as holy through and through. What is he talking about? In every regard. He says, may your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless. In other words, be kept without tripping up at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Why do I bring that up to you? Because our spirit and our soul and our body... They're not meant to trip up in any area. But this does not mean that we will not fall short. But what it does reveal is that God wants you, God wants you and I to prosper and excel in every part of our body, of our being. Spirit, soul, and body. Every part matters. And because he is faithful, he will do it in our lives. Here's the thing. It's spirit. It's soul. But it's also body, ladies and gentlemen. It's a quick health check. How you doing, spirit? Have you received the fullness of Jesus? Good. Praise God. You're doing great there. How you doing soul-wise? Is this mind continually being renewed according to the word so that that transformation happens in your life? How about this one? How's your body doing? How you taking care of this body? Oh, let's not get so spiritual now. Let's not get so spiritual Right? Let's, let's not just faith it because faith calls for you taking care of your spirit, your soul, and your body. It's every part. Right? Let's stand. And we close with this verse. Verse 25, the Holy Spirit says to us, Brothers and sisters, pray for us. If there's one thing that we as brothers and sisters should do, is pray for one another. Let me tell you why. Because while we don't always know what somebody else is going through, here's what we do know. What God's word declares about them. Uh, Some of you didn't get that. While I may not know what you're going through in your life, always, I do know what God's word says about you. 
I do know that God's word says that he is the one that leads you in triumph. I do know that the word of God says that you are strong because of Christ who's in your life. I do know that God's word says that while you may face impossibilities, you can do all things through Christ because he is your strength. I do know that God's word says that you are healed, that you are provided for, that you are loved by God, that you have a faithful God that walks alongside you and lives in you. So while, I, while we may not know what someone might be going through, we always know what God's word says. And so we always have something to pray about, to pray over each other. I guarantee you this, there will be days where you'll just think about somebody amongst the body and you won't even know why you're thinking about them. Can I encourage you at that moment? Pray for them. 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 The prayer of a righteous man is powerful. It's effective. It accomplishes much. And so we should be praying for each other. As we stand firm in the faith, we minister to the Lord in worship, but we should also be ministering to each other and stewarding the grace of God in our lives. Not just for our lives, but for each other.